0: everyone. It's Allison here with new little life. I'm an internationally board certified lactation consultant, a nurse, a doula, and a mom of three little boys here on the new little life podcast. We'll talk with real moms about their breastfeeding experience, the good parts and the bad, and share real and practical advice about breastfeeding connect with and learn from other moms and professionals to help you meet your breastfeeding goals. Well, it has been a minute since we published a new podcast episode. Man, I'm excited to be back though. We, Me and my little family moved from Europe back to America. So that has taken up quite a lot of time. I've also launched a signature program in the meantime called Pumping for Working Moms. So that's actually where we're headed with the podcast for season two, which is really exciting. But we do have a few more episodes of season one that you really need to hear because these interviews were great. Um, I recorded them, oh gosh, last summer. So it's been a while, but these are still really relevant. So some of the, the little kiddos in these next few episodes will be a little bit older now than they were at the time of recording, but I really, really need you guys to hear these Especially from our guest today, who is Dr. Trill. She actually has a PhD in cellular molecular biology. Uh, She has two daughters, both of which she has struggled with food allergies. So she has not only taken her personal experience with food allergies in breastfeeding her babies, this is what she does for a living. It is so cool. She's doing some really amazing things and is continuing to do amazing things. Um, I highly encourage you to follow her there. All of her links are down in the show notes. As you can imagine, this made breastfeeding really difficult for Trill, and she really opens up and shares some details with you, the emotions that came along with that, um, some really valuable moments during her breastfeeding journey. I always love it when guests get open and honest, and this one was a great interview. She even um, talked a little bit about some of her personal struggles with addiction with the sh- with how hard it was to manage a baby with food allergies, with restrictive diets. It was very difficult for her. So you'll really love this. Um, we did run into a little bit of audio quality issues with this interview. I was able to get Trill's voice nice and clear for you, um, but I do apologize for my audio. But I thought it was more important that you could really hear and understand Trill. So this isn't the norm on the podcast. We usually have nice, beautiful, uh, crisp audio, but I just wanted to throw that out there today. So, okay. I am going to let you jump into this with Trill because I absolutely love this interview and you need, need, need this information. So here we go. Good morning to you, Trill. I'm really happy to have you here today. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. I can already tell I've been following you on Instagram a little bit. You've got a nice little community over there.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Allison. It is an honor to get to talk to you today. And I really do. I have the most amazing group of parents who are looking for answers for their babies. Yeah.
0: Aren't we all, I feel like we're all looking for the problem that we have. How do I find answers? So I love it when I meet people like you that have some answers (laughs) we can dive in. So cool. All right. Let's start out with you telling us just a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, your family start at the beginning.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I am a cellular molecular biologist. I have a, a PhD and I have two little girls. Um, they are currently five and two, a amazing husband who is incredibly supportive and I'm the founder and CEO of free to feed it's basically the, the gist of everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So let's just dive into your breastfeeding story then and start at the beginning. So- so Let's start with your first daughter.
1: Did you know you wanted to breastfeed? Yeah. So when my husband and I decided to start our family, I was in my last year of grad school, which is not <laughs> what I would recommend. Um, it was a hard time no. to start a family. <laughs> um, not that there's ever a great time, but we decided we were gonna we we're gonna do it in my last year of grad school. Um, and so, um, got pregnant, and I knew when I was pregnant that I wanted to. To try to breastfeed. So I um prepped for all of that, the, you know, getting the pump and all of the the fun stuff that you would need in order to breastfeed. And I knew that I wanted to if I could. Um, as a molecular biologist, um I was fascinated by human milk as a substance essentially, like um on the on the nerdy side of things. And yeah, yeah. So I just knew that, that that was what I wanted to do if I could. So when my daughter was born, my oldest daughter's name is June. So when June was born, um, we had a rocky start. We um, had really bad latch issues, and I had cracked nipples and um, lots of lots of pain. Um, I remember my. I remember like getting like a warm washcloth and like putting it on myself before, like my husband would bring her to me, he would change her for me and then he'd bring her to me and I'm just like mentally preparing for, um, just, it just didn't go really well in the beginning. And in hindsight, I really wish I had reached out to support and IBLS IPCLCs, and all of that. But in the thick of things, I didn't, I honestly just didn't know any better. And so we, um, Started to get the hang of it, right? Like slowly like things got better and we started getting better at it together. Um and about the time that I felt like I was finally like taking the training wheels off and um getting the hang of things, she um just started crying all of the time. She she screamed constantly. And I tried to nurse her more. I thought, you know, maybe something's wrong with me. Um, maybe I'm not producing enough. Um, but there was definitely milk coming out. I was leaking everywhere at that point. Um, and so I was like, I I can't imagine that it's that I'm not feeding her enough. And, um, so we took her in and I said, you know, she, she's, she cries all of the time. She's inconsolable. How old was she at this point? Do you remember? So she was probably about two weeks old at this point. And so took her in I said, you know, if she's not asleep, she's, she's screaming bloody murder. And the doctors just said like, yep, she's colic. Um, and good luck with that and told like, maybe consider removing cow's milk protein from my diet. And that was the first time that I had ever heard anything about the fact that proteins that I was consuming could end up in my breast milk. And I had no idea that that was even in the realm of possibilities. So I did. Um, It was kind of a a random comment, but I I latched onto it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to remove cow's milk protein from my diet. And I did pretty strictly. And um, fast forward to her being three weeks old. And, uh, we woke up to find her completely covered in a rash with several bloody diapers, one right after Mm -hmm. another, right after another. And she'd been screaming this whole time. And, um, so now I'm terrified. I have this tiny human who is screaming and who is now bleeding. Um, and she's totally covered in eczema and I was just totally shocked. So I took her back in and said, okay, like now there's definitely something wrong. Please help me. And I was told like, yeah, I'm um, probably, probably a protein, um, intolerance, consider removing soy as well. And, and sent back home again. And I was like, that's, that's it. N- nothing else. No. Okay. So I went home and, and adjusted my diet and she continued to spiral. Um, eventually she, like all that came out of her was blood and all that oh. she did was scream. And eventually we were, I remember having her like on the kitchen table, on like a changing table that didn't have a pad on it because like just literally blood would just come out of her constantly. And she had this awful little rash. And so I was trying to give her air. And I just remember like that moment and, um, finally saying like, nope, I can't anymore. Um, I taken her in that day to see a specialist, to see a gastroenterologist. Um, and I think that woman mostly took pity on my eye bags, (laughs) And, um, she admitted us to the hospital where we were. Um, and in that moment I was like, okay, finally, like someone is paying attention. We're going to get somewhere here. And we got admitted in, and I remember, you know, it was time to feed her. Um, and so we got into the hospital room and I got out a boob and, and fed her and, um, a nurse walked in and was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You can't feed her. Your breast milk's poison. What? And I was, just, and that was kind of the the next phase of this, this um, piece, which was to be told that um, my baby needed to go on a 24 hour starvation diet where we couldn't feed her anything. Um, and we, we did that. Um, and because of that, like for the 24 hours that she wasn't allowed to be given anything, um, I still needed to pump and I couldn't pump in her room because it literally upset her. Like, like I physically upset her, yeah. Um, which yeah, I would too. Like if you told me that I couldn't eat for 24 hours and like dangled a steak right next to my face, like I wouldn't like that either. So um, I remember pumping in the stairwell of the hospital. They didn't have like a another spot. Um, and so I just like pumping in the stairwell of the hospital, bawling hysterically, uh, making yeah. like... Bottles and bottles of like what I had been told was poison um, and just just hysterical. Um, and after 24 hours, they said um, they gave her Alicare, which is a hypoallergenic formula. And they said that that was my only option, that um, she has some sort of severe protein intolerance, sensitivity, allergy of some sort. And we can't tell you what exactly. It's one of those things. And we can't tell you what the reaction is two. We don't know what she's reacting to. Um, so you, your only option is to go on this hypoallergenic formula. And I really wanted to breastfeed. Like I, like I said, I finally took the training wheels off. I finally felt like I had gotten the hang of things. And then like the kind of the other shoe dropped, which was that the formula that they said that we had to go on was uh, $50 a can um, and only lost a few days. And I was a grad student And I just like create straightforward, couldn't afford that. And we didn't qualify for any kind of assistance with my insurance. And so um, it became a necessity of like, okay, well, how I'm going to feed, how will I feed my baby? Um, I can't go get another job that's not allowed in the program. Um, I definitely like would have. And so then I started asking the question of like, okay, instead of a hypoallergenic formula that is $50 a can and smells like sweaty gym socks. Um, is, is there an option? Could I continue to breastfeed? I really want to. And the answer was a hesitant. I mean, yeah, you could if you wanted, um, but it'll be awful because we can't tell you what she's allergic to. So just remove all of the allergens from your diet. And then we were sent home. Um, and then I had this like really massive fork in the road of, am I, yeah. am I going to do this thing or am I not going to do this thing? And in the moment I was told that I would have to stay on formula for two weeks while my breast milk cleared, um, of all of these foods that I was removing from my diet, which we can dive into that more yeah, in yeah. a little bit. Um, so I was told, you know, you have to give Alicare care for two weeks. So I did that. I, I did what I was told. I, um, cut top eight plus, um, corn and oats and a few other fun things. Um, and I, Slowly progressed back into breastfeeding, and we were incredibly lucky that after two weeks of allocarous, she went back to breastfeeding. Um, and we breastfed successfully for a year, and I was on that very restrictive diet for an entire year. Which so, I- what were you even eating? <laughs> oh man, I can
0: you, can you uh, list the top eight allergens? Do you know them off the top of your head? Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. I can list the top eight and I can list the the actual top 12 infant allergens, which are two so actual different things. Tell us
0: everything you cut out. Cause I'm not sure our listeners will know how extreme <laughs> this is what you're talking about. And then tell me actually what the heck you ate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I w- want to caveat first to say that I do not recommend this for people. Um, Thank you for to saying do, that. <laughs> especially to do for an extended period of time. Do not, do not make the mistakes that I did. Um, so I was just told like, cut out all allergens. That was my directions. And so um, they said top eight plus some additional ones. So top eight um, in the United States is cow's milk, soy, wheat, egg, peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, and fish. And so those are, those are the eight. Um, and in addition to that, they told me to remove corn and oats. So I had 10 things, um, that I had removed from my diet. And (laughs) so this is funny. So they told me these things, so that these 10 things to remove from my diet. And when you think about like, oh yeah, I can just not drink like cow's milk, it's in everything. So, like, yes, it is. If you, if you have something in your hand right now and it's packaged, like flip it over, it has one of those 10 things in it. Oh, for guaranteed. sure.
0: Soy is in everything, too. Everything packaged has soy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or corn. And if it doesn't
1: have soy, it has wheat. And if it yep. doesn't have
0: those two, it has milk. <laughs>
1: it's crazy. <laughs> yep. And so, I, um, in that, holds the thing i like i remember being told all this stuff and then coming home so for any of the moms who've had slips or anything like that like this story i'm told remove corn and so i i get home and i'm just exhausted and i'm starving and i'm like okay like i'm looking at my pantry i'm like what am i going to eat and so i popped myself a bag of popcorn because it didn't have dairy or soy in it (laughs) and i ate like half a bag and then i was like popcorn's made of corn (laughs) Mom brain is so real. Oh my yes, gosh. So it's so awful. And so that was like the, that was my first day. Um, went really yeah. well, um, I'm not just diet, right. I was like, I, yeah. I I'm awful at this. Um, <clears throat> so I removed those 10 things from my diet and, um, all of that to say, since then, we know that the top infant food allergies don't actually match one for one, at the top eight allergens. And so when I'm working with moms, we talk about the top 12 actual allergens that are more likely to elicit a response in infants because we know it transfers through breast milk and we know it causes problems for babies. Um, but we never, ever, 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 ever have moms stay on a very restrictive elimination diet for an extended period of time. Mo- new- normally, often not even longer than five days. Um, And we can dive into that in a little bit. But beyond that, um, I I breastfed and I ate. uh, What did I eat? I remember going to like farmer's markets and wandering around because uh, the first time I went to a grocery store after all of this, I I just walked all of the aisles looking for something I could put into my mouth. (laughs) And and I, I cried. I was like in the store, I'm in the grocery store and I'm holding like the... 35th thing that I was like, Oh, this says whatever. And, you know, flipping it over. And then I just, just bawling. Um, cause I was like, I, what am I going to eat? Um, so I eventually started going to farmer's markets because then I wouldn't have to even see packaged foods. Yeah. Um, because it was really hard, especially in the beginning, um, and like fruits and vegetables and meat. And literally like, that's what I lived off of. Um, I got, I lost a lot of weight, not in a good way. Um, I I lost way too much weight, especially while breastfeeding and, um, not only, you know, did it impact my health and my nutrition, but it also impacted my mental health. Um, and you know, there's a lot to be said about mom's mental health already postpartum. But then when you tell mom that in order to successfully feed her child, um, she's going to have to be on a very restricted diet and that if she accidentally messes up, if she has a slip, that it will poison her baby for weeks on, weeks on end um, is incredibly hard on your mental health. And so it, that year was a struggle. And in that year, I also finished my, my grad degree. So I was breastfeeding June. I was on this crazy diet and I finished my dissertation in defense and it was a whirlwind. Of a time for me. Um, Thank goodness, so incredibly appreciative for my husband. Um, We really, the dynamics shifted for us in that moment um, because I like, before all of this happened, I loved to cook. It was my favorite thing. Like, that was probably one of the reasons why my, one of the many reasons, let's say, that my husband married me is that (laughs) like, I love to cook and I cooked all the time. Um, And like I, I don't eat more, so my husband probably cooks ninety-eight percent of our meals. Because in that time, it was depressing for me to be in the kitchen, and I tried making like, oh, I'm gonna make this crazy fun thing. And I remember like destroying our waffle maker once, and I was just like, like trying to make some kind of yeah, yeah. allergen-free craziness, um, and I just demolished this piece of equipment. And um, I was like, I'm done. I don't ever want to be in this room ever again. I don't want to cook anymore. Um, and that was almost six years ago. And even to this day, my, my husband still cooks most of our meals. Um, I, I slowly like got my way in there. Um, but, but it has long-term impacts for sure. Um, so that all to say, um, we breastfed for a year and, um, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of the fact that I made it to a year. Um, we, slowly introduced those allergens back to June's diet. Um, and once when she, when she was old enough and I felt comfortable enough that my anxiety was down enough, I could start yeah. that. And as we got a pass for her, meaning that she could eat a food um, consistently without having a reaction, we would cross it off the list and I would add it to my diet. And then we slowly got things back in for me. Um, so we weaned a- around the year point, which was my goal. Um, and then when my second daughter was born, and she had the same exact problem, I, I couldn't imagine doing it again. I just couldn't fathom going through all of this all over again, all by myself. Um, and, and having my husband is one thing, but, um, and he's stupendous. but without having like a community around me to do it. And so I started Free to Feed, quite honestly, to, to find that community. Um, I was like, there's gotta be other women out there who've gone through what I've gone through and I can't do it again by myself. So I started finding, digging into the research at that point. I popped my head out of the sand and was like, okay, well, what does the actual science say? I'm out of grad school now. And I have like 30 seconds to look this up. Like, let's, let's see what, what, what does the actual research show? And then I was super shocked because the research didn't support this thought process that proteins are just going to exist in your breast milk for weeks on end. Um, the research didn't support that if you have a slip up, it's going to make your breast milk poison, um, for, for an extended period of time. And, um, so I started translating that research into digestible content for parents on the website. I made a website and a, like a little blog and it was just kind of like this fun little thing I was working on and, and getting, building a community around. And in the same time I was breastfeeding my second, her name is Rose. Uh, so breastfeeding Rose and knew that she had some sort of reactions as well, cut foods from my diet as well, um, this time for a shorter period of time and did it in a more healthy way. Um, And in the midst of that, in all of the irony in the world, I was working for a dairy processing facility. I have a funny background. (laughs) So um, I was making millions of pounds of the like food that I could not consume myself. Literally, I had moments where like we would have to taste quality tests, like some of the products if like something happened and I would have to put it in my mouth and and spit it back out because my daughter was reactive to cow's milk protein. And so. Um, But I was also like the quality manager. So you have to put it in your mouth and try it. Um, Yeah. So life was funny. And in the midst of that, I was um, teaching the lab techs. I was running the lab and um, I was teaching the lab techs how to test for cross-contamination of cow's milk. So, essentially, what happens in food manufacturing is um, if they make, let's say, soy milk and then they make cow's milk on that same equipment, they have to prove to auditors and to the FDA that they didn't accidentally cross contact those foods. And there are simple testing mechanisms they can use to simply, a little test strip, for example, that they could use to say, look, this cow's milk protein, this cow's milk does not have soy protein from this equipment. We didn't cross contact it. And I was sitting there like, I wonder what would happen if I snuck into a closet and squirted some breast milk on this thing.
0: Right? Did you do it? Please tell me you did. Yeah.
1: Oh, heck yeah, I did it. <laughs> okay, good. And then I and then I had other people do it. <laughs> so um, I started talking to these companies that make these um, test strips to say like, hey, it's kind of weird that we do this for cows. Why don't we do this for women? And no one had a good answer for me. Um, so that was two plus years ago. Um, it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. um, But we are making leaps and bounds, Um, and so I'm working in the Rockefeller University today um, making a test strip that will allow moms to test their breast milk for the presence of allergens at home. Um, My second daughter, Rose, uh, weaned at a year, um, right around a year. I wanted to breastfeed Rose longer, um, partially because I was really enjoying our breastfeeding journey, partially because I was quite honestly using my own breast milk um, as a scientific oh, sure. yeah. like my own lab rat um <laughs> so it's, it's really it was convenient for me um but I in the midst of all of this I'm also in the military um so I've been in the army national guard for um going on 16 years now yeah. and I've I'm an operation Iraqi freedom veteran and that right when my um Youngest turned one. I had to go away for military duty for two weeks, and during that time, I pumped like a crazy person because I really wanted to come back and continue our breastfeeding journey. But she had weaned while I was gone, and so when I got back, she was like, "Nah, I'm I'm good. I don't even. What even is that thing? Um, get it away from me." So that was really hard for me. Um, but in the midst of that, all. Um, very good experience um, with Rose, and very grateful um, that Rose had the same problem that June did, so that I could have the opportunity to step back and say, you know, what's going on, and and why why isn't there something to support women through this process?
0: Wow, what an incredible story! I have like a million questions, but I how you made it a year in grad school and a baby like that, and eating basically nothing. I my word, I cannot even imagine what that was like for you
1: it was a it was a long long year, and you know I will say that other you know not only the the um, physical health the mental health um, my husband's being so incredibly supportive, but i also um, unfortunately in that time st- ended up leaning towards um alcohol as something that I would lean on to as a coping mechanism yeah. um, and so to be just be like super transparent about it it was incredibly difficult and I leaned heavily on um, you know wine mostly
0: yeah <laughs> I, that's I feel like that's not uncommon for moms to kind of use that as a coping mechanism it's not the greatest obviously but Super realistic, um, unfortunately. And so
1: um, luckily for me, I was able to find a wine that I could have that um, was vegan and obnoxious. and Right. <laughs> that, so we probably spent, a, you know, a, a, like a few mortgage payments um, on, on wine. Um, <laughs> all to say that um, to the point that today um, I have been sober for a little over 18 months because it actually became an issue for me. Congratulations um, so, to you. That's amazing. So just, just wanted to like when we talk so much about like, Oh, that's so incredible. Like there's always the other side of things that like, I want to also bring to light.
0: Absolutely. I, because that is an amazing accomplishment, but I just, I cannot even imagine the the difficult things that you had to endure that year too. Um, I'd like to ask you a question. It's a little bit vulnerable, so you don't have to answer if you don't want, but did you ever feel any kind of like resentment toward your baby for the diet that you were kind of forced on? I, that's like a terrible thing to say, but I think a lot of moms end up feeling that way. I'm curious your thoughts there.
1: A hundred percent. So all of the, and I, you know, I think that goes back to a lot of the coping mechanism, right. And, and leaning on, um, and, and on a very unhealthy coping mechanism to get through it um, in that moment. So there were lots of times where, you um, the, the resentment would bubble up, right? Where I was like, if I have to see another carrot stick, I swear to God, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose
0: it. Totally. Um,
1: or, you know, not being able to go eat out, not being able to like, be a human, I felt like and not being That's... able to be who I was as a person. Um, I traveled a lot for the military and for um, different events. And so literally, like, had to pack all of my food and like freezer packet and carry a cooler with me everywhere I went, because especially with my oldest, I had this conception that if I ate something wrong, my breast milk would be contaminated for weeks on end. So like everywhere I got, went, I, I had to bring all my food with me. And if I forgot, or if I ran out, I often would run out, um, just like not, thinking that I'd be out as long as I was or something like that, that it was very difficult to just find something quickly to eat. And so I was, I would find myself hungry. And then I was to find myself seething, just angry at yeah. the, the entire situation. Um, in, in hindsight, um, it's, it's interesting because um, to have so much resentment about a thing that like you chose, right. Because it's a choice that I made. I chose to continue to breastfeed, sure. um, but in those moments, you don't feel the choice, right? You don't feel mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, I chose this and I'm happy with this choice I made. You feel cornered and you feel kind of painted into, painted into this decision that you, you're you mm-hmm. in. Um, so yes, 100%, there were times of resentment, there were times of, of bliss, there were times of, of agony um, and, and everything in between. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of all of it, um, I'm incredibly grateful that I did continue to breastfeed. I'm incredibly grateful for our journey. Um, and I'm still to, to this day, unpacking the pieces of it, right. To, to go back to, um, know some of the the parts that are traumatic right and the the trauma involved with those um and just understanding that that's going to be that's going to take up that's a process um but i think the most valuable part about it is that i have an understanding of that resentment and that um, all of those feelings more than anyone else could um that hasn't been through this so when i'm talking to fellow women and uh, moms and parents who are in this situation like i have empathy like most people would not be able to um when when a mom tells me like I- i'm so sorry i i broke down i had a reese's peanut butter cup like girl i'm here for you and i understand and it's gonna be okay um and you know where as in other mediums, she would get shamed. Um, like, but I get it. You've been there, and
0: yeah, that's a valuable thing to bring to the table. So you mentioned a couple of times that if you eat something, I, I think this is a really common um, myth. I hope <laughs> you know that when you eat something, it's like four to six weeks until that little protein gets out of your milk. Because I know a lot of moms end up in a, maybe not a severe situation as you at the beginning, but they've got a fussy baby and the pediatrician says, this is probably colic, or you can try eliminating some foods from your diet and they're sent home. And sometimes it's an allergy thing. Sometimes it's not, but moms are like, well, I love my baby and I'm going to do anything to help them. So they start, you know, doing elimination and then realize it's hard. And then they accidentally eat. It's like this crazy cycle. Can, can you just start there and help me unpack all of that stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so it is a crazy cycle. There's, there's many cycles, crazy yeah. perpetuating cycles in the midst of all of this. Um, and a lot of it has to do with stress. Um, so what's interesting is that the, the actual scientific data, so the actual research, if we dig into the research and look at the molecular biology that's been done to say, when you put a food into your mouth, how does it get to your breast? in what form does it get to your breast, And then how long is it there? And what's super interesting is that when I dug into all of that research and you know, yes, it's not nearly as robust as it could be, but we're working on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I dug on into all of that research, none of it supported that your breast milk would be quote unquote contaminated with a food that you ate for weeks on end, none of it, zero of it. And so when I dug in and I was like, what And me, I did this for a whole year before I dug into this research and I was so shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? It like, like, I can't believe my eyes right now. And, um, well, that's such a common thing. Like, why is that even being said? And so that, that, that's the second question, right? Yeah. So when I dug into the research and I, and I looked at like, okay, if we actually look at protein analysis and how long it's in breast milk, it shows that it peaks an hour to three hours after ingestion and then steadily decreases from there very quickly. Commonly, a serving of a protein is gone within 24 hours. And by gone, right. I mean below a threshold that would elicit any response in any human. And yeah. so- with that then, and you know, obviously that's massive shock to me. Yes, and me because
0: that's not what I've heard among the lactation and pediatric community for years and years and years.
1: Yep, and so then I started asking like, okay, why exactly where your brain went, which was why are we sharing this then? And there's a few pieces and I've talked to many, many, many people in the lactation space and the uh, pediatric space to say like, I don't understand why the research shows this and even the recommendations say this which is to say that if mom has effectively removed the right trigger that baby should start to improve within 72 hours that does not support a four to six week elimination and and clearance of your breast milk and that's what the actual pediatric literature suggests it says 72 hours for for mom to see some sort of improvement and um you know maybe give the diet two weeks before you cut something else out to get the hang, hang of things basically okay. and but none of that supports a four to six to eight or whatever craziness week um elimination period and so when I asked that question of like why um a few pieces one the this isn't this isn't part of the education so what's so interesting is that like this problem the, um, food allergies through breast milk is not a baby problem or a mommy problem. It's a baby and mommy problem with two separate situations going on. We have a okay. baby who has some kind of sensitivity. That's the pediatrician. So food sensitivity, allergist, all of that. And then we have a mommy who's transferring proteins to her breast milk, which is an OBGYN. And there's no one who exists in the middle of this space. There's no okay. one who's combining those two things together. And we have lactation consultants who are amazing and wonderful, but they're also not molecular biologists and they don't talk a lot about this particular space, the yeah,
0: I was gonna say a lactation consultant would fit in between there, but I'm recently trained and I can tell you that we did not spend a lot of time on this, nor did we really dive into the research to fully understand it. So there's also a problem there.
1: So I think it's it's vastly the education. We're just not teaching it. And so then how do we get this information? It's passed down. And so when you go to shadow, right? You're going to shadow somebody as a lactation consultant, as a pediatrician, as whomever. And then you're getting that information passed down from... And we're playing kind of the telephone game. And so I don't know at what point that expanded so widely to four to to six or longer weeks. Um, And then the the second thing that I will say is that there are some interesting research articles that are out that are quite honestly pushed by formula companies and and funded by formula companies that are uh, very close to fear-mongering, where it's, um, for example, one of the titles of an article is um, cow's milk protein found in breast milk for seven days, and that's for seven days after ingestion, and that's the title of the article, but what they don't say is that it's at such a minute amount that mom would, baby would have to consume seven gallons of breast milk in one sitting in order to get enough to elicit any response in any, any human regardless as to how sensitive they are they fail to mention that and so instead they're just pushing out like oh here's yeah check this out and a pediatrician like that's not their specialty they're not their yeah. their specialty is not you know nanomolars of protein concentration in a substance and, and it probably shouldn't be um that's a that's a very specific thing to be excited about yeah. um and so what we see then um, is, oh, it's in, it's in breast milk for seven days. Um, maybe it's in there for even longer. Maybe it's there forever. Um, but the other thing that's so interesting to me is that that conversation isn't the case when we talk about other things that transfer to breast milk, right? When we talk about medications, alcohol, flavonoids, all of those things, we have a better understanding and, and a better conversation about how long those actually exist in breast milk. And I quite honestly cannot understand why we would think that proteins would exist in a, in some other form, nature, hide somewhere, cling on to, I don't know, the mammary glands with all of their, their might. Yeah. And, um, so the, the concepts behind all of it is so interesting that I've asked then like pediatricians, what, what other thing that is similar to this? Um, how do I change the narrative here? Yeah. How do I, how do I help moms and, and help pediatricians and lactation consultants help, help moms. And one of the best, um, examples that I've been given recently is that it's very similar to antibiotics, right? So, um, we used to say like, okay, any anything, right? Like just throw antibiotics at it. Everybody gets, you get an antibiotic, you get an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we know that was not the best idea. Um, and so, But that took time, right? It took time and pain and some suffering um, in order to get to the point where we were like, oh, you know, hold on. Yeah, do this for everybody. We're causing problems. This is an issue. Um, And so, you know, that there's a lot more research that has to be done. And unfortunately, um, the funding is very, is much less likely to go to this kind of research for women, for women-based problems. on the antibiotic side, it affects everybody. So, you know, more, more research to, to pump that direction. Um, but we're working on it. So um, I currently have a grant-funded study where we're actually looking at cow's protein and soy and dosing and transference to just do one large study to just kind of lay it all to rest um, and try to get it out to the masses. Um, in, in a study that is, in a way, that it would capture the attention of um, pediatricians and lactation consultants and everyone else. Um, Because for me to sit here and say like, look, if you look at all the research already done, it shows this, um, then there's always the the, some kind of pushback in some way, shape or form. Um, So just a thorough study to put it all to rest.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing that. This information needs to be out there and I love it. Perfect. I did have a question as you were talking, you mentioned that about 24 hours after mom ingest like a dairy milk protein, we'll just go with that since it's an easy example. It's low enough that it's out of her system. Essentially, does it hang around longer in the infant? Like, does it take a baby longer to clear that from their system? Is, maybe is that where that longer time came? Because I yeah, see what so, you're saying about the yeah. medication and alcohol thing. Why is it different with food? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing, um, so there's definitely like two pieces, right? There's the mom's timing and then there's the baby's timing. Okay. So, um, as far as the protein itself, so like if we think about the protein transferring to mom's breast milk and and knowing when it's going to peak and when it's likely to clear, um, when baby gets it, so let's say, you know, mom, eats cow's milk protein, breastfeeds, baby now has it in their system. It's not that it's going to stay in their system for a long time. It doesn't, again, hang out. It's not going and hiding in the big toe or anything. Um, So it's traveling through the system per any other molecule um and then what happens though is the baby has a reaction to it and the reaction may be mild or it may be severe and then it's time to heal that reaction so when babies have a reaction depending on like the pathway that that reaction occurs um it may include an, an increase in IgE antibodies so those can exist within the body it may result in increase in histamines so those can exist within the body so the body's reaction to the protein that it sees that it does not like that can be found in the body for an extended period of time. That can be, that can exist within the body. The protein itself, the culprit is long gone. So the, the thing that caused the problem is, is gone and goes to the digestive
0: system and comes out and it's done
1: and, and out the diaper and all we're all done. Um, but the body is still, could react is going to react to that protein while it's there in some shape or form somewhere mm-hmm. in the body sometimes it's upper GI sometimes it's skin sometimes it's lower GI so the reaction occurs and then the healing has to occur so then that that reaction has to taper back off and the healing from whatever wound we created be that eczema be that a rash be that um, literally a wound in the GI tract that causes blood or mucus um, or a Um, congestion issue where we're we're causing severe mucus in the upper GI tract. So any reaction that occurs then it's not just going to when the when the protein comes out the back end it's that reaction just doesn't go away magically it's just like any other wound we have we just broke our arm just because we're not continuing to break our arm does not mean it's all better today um so depending on how severe that reaction is and how much we spiked the immune system essentially and it yeah. made the immune system react is the time that it takes for that, um, healing to occur. So it's very possible that that has a lot to do with the misconception around the timing, because we see like, oh, well, my baby's still bleeding. So they must still be getting this protein when in actuality, if your baby was still getting this protein, your baby would be bleeding more or the bleed body would not decrease in any way, shape or form. Um, so instead what we see is like, okay, the reaction, Yep, my baby is bleeding. And then we see the tapering because it's literally a cut, a wound, an ulcer mm-hmm. in the GI tract. And then it's gotta close and then heal and then scab over and all of that fun jazz. Um, and so I think that's largely where part of the misconception comes from because mom can think like, oh, I accidentally had dairy on Monday but I still see blood on Friday, which yes, you very well mo- may, but it's the right, it's the tapering and the healing, and it should be much less on Friday if you've removed the right trigger.
0: I love that, that analogy kind of that you said that it doesn't hang around, like, don't be stressed that now that milk's in your breast or that protein's in your breast milk for four weeks, it's just the healing uh, that can take that long. Okay, interesting. How often do you think that moms are taking foods out of their diet for problems that aren't actually food allergies?
1: Yeah so um it's super super common for us to shake a stick at mom's diet like cuz that's the easiest thing to sh- to shake stick at I think at. breastfeeding
0: gets blamed for a lot of problems that are just baby problems.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah so we we tell mom right like you should breastfeed you should breastfeed you got to breastfeed yep, and then yep, like yep. And then the second the baby has any kind of issues, like, oh, it's your breast milk, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and then tell mom to just start cutting things from their diet instead of supporting them and actually digging in. So um, the problem that I see a lot of times is that um, we're not digging into like the whole baby, the, the mother baby dyad, right? So like, what's really happening? What are all the issues is, are we really looking at a food allergy issue? It's more often um, that we are having issues with, if we're really looking at the symptoms, right? For example, a lot of moms will come to me and say like, oh, I have mucus in stool. If that's the only symptom and it's just a little bit of mucus, not likely a food allergy type of issue or sensitivity problem at all. Um, So it's more often that I will direct moms to like, go talk to an IBCLC, go talk to a lactation consultant because the issues that you're seeing with, your, um, with gas and bellies and tummy trouble and even food aversions and and feeding aversions are lactation specific Mm -hmm. are, um, your supply or your latch or mechanics. It's something to do with that more often than it is to do with a food sensitivity. And it's so much easier in the doctor's office to just tell mom, yeah, it's in your diet. It's your diet's fault. And then shimmy them out the door, um, as opposed to like, you know, what's really happening, what's going on with the latch, what's going on with mom. Um, So there's a lot of things that can be misconstrued. Um, And my, my goal is always to first and foremost, rule all of those things out before we start jacking with mommy's diet, because that's a hard process. It's not fun to remove things from mom's diet. And and if it's not necessary, let's definitely not do it because I've lived and breathed that space. And yeah, I would have been furious if I would have found out that at the end of the day, it was because my daughter had a tongue tie. Um, so all that to say, um, it is common that, that moms are told that they should remove, especially cow's milk protein um, from their diet when, when other things haven't been ruled out first.
0: Yeah. Okay. My mind is swirling, but you got to tell us where moms can find out more information about this. So if a mom is thinking like my baby might have an allergy or I don't know, they're fussy and I don't know why, like where can they go to find out more or just learn about food allergies and maybe hopefully rule that out and move on to the next thing. Just help us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you can go to free2feed.com. To so we have lots and lots of content information on our website, um, also on our blog that we're posting on constantly to give moms all of the data and the information to make informed choices for, them, for their family, for their particular situation. So my goal is really to empower women to empower themselves really. So to empower women to, to put themselves first, to say, here's the actual data behind all of this. And now you can make an educated decision on what you want to do next. Um, and so with that, we, also offer masterclasses for um, parents and lactation consultants and other professionals to dig in on all of this, um, to really learn about what the different types of food allergies are, how they present, what are the symptoms, what is an elimination diet, and what should it not be, Um, and then what is a reintroduction strategy, because what we don't talk about is getting food back for mommy, right? Like we remove stuff, like what about getting food back for mommy? And then um, what resources are there available for parents? So we talk about that in the masterclass and dive in. And then I also offer one-on-one consults with mommies, um, just with myself. Um, One, to make sure that she has reached out to all of the specialists for other potential issues, Um, but two, to have a very specific strategy to pinpoint is food allergies really the right tree that we're barking up and so we'll discuss everything and often we'll put together um, kind of an action plan moving forward to say like this is what we're going to do in order to pinpoint whether or not food allergies are in fact the issue that we're dealing with and if not then we know and we can know really quickly as opposed to this like yeah, my, my baby continues to be suffering for two months plus um, and I'm not getting any answers. So being able to get answers quicker and then being able to make mom's diet sustainable long-term. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say is we also have a um, mobile app. And what that means is I have not gotten it onto the app stores yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, a Simple scientists trying to uh, learn how to do technology. Right, um, yeah, no. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> So um we have it's app dot com. So it's mobile based right now, um, but functions just like an app. And um, that is a full tracking log for this entire situation. So mom can track her intake, baby's intake, baby symptoms, baby stools, all of those pictures of diapers that you have, Um, and then your trials. So as you're trialing later on in your journey for safes and sales, all of that can be tracked. So it's a digital log for this particular situation. Um, And so that's available at app.freetofeed.com. And otherwise, just finding us on all of the platforms, um, sharing all of the time and sharing not only, um, especially on the Instagram account, mostly, you know, sharing information, sharing content, but also sharing this journey. Um, so really giving everyone the insight into um, what does it look like when a scientist becomes an entrepreneur and attempts to uh, build a company.
0: Right. I am feeling you a little bit that way. I am like a healthcare professional and nurse, a lactation counselor, also accidentally kind of being an entrepreneur. So I can really relate to you <laughs> that yes. way that It's just because I'm like good at my medical stuff. Doesn't really mean I know how to put an app on an app store. Like you said, yeah, right there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's cool. We're going to put a bunch of links. If you'll send me some links for our listeners that we can put down in the show notes, that would be awesome. Um, because I know that this is a question that a lot of moms have, and it's a, it's a thing that's blamed a lot for fussy babies, or you have a random rash, or we don't know what's wrong try taking stuff from your diet. And I think moms will really want to learn more. Um, I have a million more questions for you. So we might have to do a follow-up on Instagram <laughs> or something like that, because I know my listeners probably will too. So I'll put a little, um, post on Instagram when this goes live. And if anyone has questions, they can go put it over there and we can get back with, with trail here and just kind of pick your brain a little more. Cause I know there's just so much to this realm and we can't cover it all in a one little podcast. So Thank you so much for talking today. Is there anything else you'd like to share about either your breastfeeding journey or just babies and food allergies in general, some advice for some
1: moms? Yeah. um, So I want to say thank you, Allison, for for having me on and and chatting with me. Um, I thoroughly appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your work. And um, I absolutely adore anyone in this space who is um, helping to empower women through their journey. So, so thank you for your work. Um, I would say that like kind of the, the last thing that I would uh, leave with the audience is uh, that you're doing an amazing job. So I think one of the things that really gets missed a lot of times, especially in this particular space, um, especially for new moms or, or moms of who are at home with newborns um, is that you're doing amazing. And so someone needs to tell you that And that is someone is definitely going to be me a hundred billion percent. Um, And that's, that's regardless of your current symptoms, your current situation, whatever it may be, you're doing absolutely incredible and you're perfect for your baby. So keep being amazing and I'm proud of you and you should be proud of you.
0: I agree 100%. No matter what you're going through right now, I know, that moms are always trying their best and doing the best that they can with the resources that they have, just like you did. Your first journey probably would have looked different if it happened right now, but you did your best with what you were given and especially as a first-time mom. And that's something to be proud of, even though it may not have gone like you had hoped. So well said. Again, you can find all of our links down today in the show notes, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much, Trill, for talking with us today.
1: Thank you.